Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When the red, red Robbie comes bum, bum, bumming along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Welcome to the Charlton Live group therapy session. So good evening to you and welcome to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. My name is Louis Mendes coming at you live here from the Valley. Joining me. In the studio as we get ready to look back at yesterday's hugely uh, disappointing uh, defeat here uh, at home to Oxford uh, is uh, Nathan Muller. How are you doing now? Living the dream, mate. Yeah. Oh, absol- absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy it yesterday? <laughs> yeah, stop crying. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, joining the pair of us is uh, the grand old man of Chuck Life. Is uh, is Terry Smith? How you doing, Tell? No, I'm rubbish. He's living my dream as well, I reckon, because I'm certainly not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so on tonight's show. Uh, we will look back at yesterday's uh, pretty frustrating, if I'm being honest, uh, 3-2 defeat at home to Oxford United. We were winning two goals to one with uh, a minute of normal time left, and we found a way to not win, uh, as is the, the Charlton way sometimes. <laughs> and uh, So yeah, that was uh, particularly disappointing. Uh, so we're going to hear the highlights of that game. We're going to hear from Carl Robertson. He came in to speak to Terry exclusively after the game. We're also want to hear from you guys. We want to know what you made of yesterday's performances. Uh, who do you blame 
the defeat on? Do you blame it on the players? Do you blame it on the manager? Um, you know, is it the blame game? Is it just one of those things? Let us know. You can email us studio at charltonlive.co.uk. You can tweet us at charltonlive. Head over to charltonlive forum. There's a thread on there as well. We're also going to hear later on in the show from Rob Harris. He's the chair of the Proud Valiance. Yesterday was the Football versus Homophobia Day here at the Valley. So we'll, uh, we'll hear from Rob. Uh, and also, uh, we're, we have two players in focus tonight because there was two addicts, uh, Lonies, who made their debuts yesterday. Sully Kaikai and Michael Zyro uh, both uh, made their debuts in the last what, 20 minutes yesterday. So I want to know what you made of their performances as well. But tell just before we hear the highlights, um, <laughs> what did you make of that? <laughs> well, for, for a fair chunk of it, look, I think we... I'll finish that. For a fair chunk of it, I thought we had the game in the bag. Um, but we ought to still point out that uh, they had a couple of um, really good opportunities and uh, we looked I don't know why and I, and I wish I could put my finger on it and I'm sure Carl Robinson's feeling the same we looked fragile at the back bear in mind uh, when Obika was um, on before he got uh, got taken off he was bothering both um, Lennon and uh, Anconzer I thought and uh, he had that shot that come off the crossbow albeit he uh, miss hit it but that's not the point uh, for some reason we looked a bit shaky. Now, when Abika went off, I thought, well, you know, they're bringing on um, the little fella. Uh, I'm trying to think of his name. It was um, Napper. Napper. Uh, and I thought, uh, well, you know, he's quick, but he's not going to bother him quite as much because mm. both Konza, well, no, not Lennon, but Konza's quick, so he should be able to cope. But we still look fragile. And I don't, I, I really, I don't know why, particularly. I don't know where, um, why that would be because, you know, then we, the, you know, we took the lead. They, they were harrying us, and like most teams do when they come to us at the moment, um, and putting us under pressure. And so it was always going to take um, a bit of patience, a little bit of time to break them down, and we did. And Akashi scoring the goal, but uh, um, I thought Josh McGuinness had a good game yesterday, and I thought um, his part in that shouldn't go unnoticed. Uh, Tariq Foster as well, of course. But again, when we went one up, I, I didn't. I've got to be honest, I didn't feel hundred percent confident. You know, normally when you go one nil up against a team like that, that have been doing that to us, a bit like you know we've we've experienced before, and sides that come here, you think right, we're going to go on from here, or at least we're not going to lose this. We're going to carry on, especially at the moment, the way uh, the way the way we've been playing and the players that have come back from injury. But there's something about yesterday that we had this you know, this fragility about us that I didn't didn't reckon, I didn't realise. You know, it surprised me, mm. and it didn't surprise me when they equalised at all, and they hit the post as well. <coughs> They could have, got, you know, they could have had a couple in between. So, you know, when McGuinness slid in that uh, uh, that goal for the second one, I thought I wouldn't say get out of jail is probably not the wrong word because I thought we, you know, over over the course of the game we probably deserved it. Mm. But I thought, um, you know, I didn't I didn't necessarily see that second one coming. So when it did come, I thought fantastic. You know, that's it. Now we can we can we can sew this sew this up. Uh, but obviously that never happened. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's have a listen to uh, what what on earth happened there. Uh, while we're listening to the highlights, I'm going to try and work out what on earth this beeping noise is. I don't know if you guys can hear it here in the studio. I know what it is. Yeah, okay. I'll tell, so, you, I'll tell you off here. So we're going to deal with that. It's probably it's probably just the beeping from Terry swearing under his breath <laughs> when he thinks back yesterday. So anyway, here are the highlights from yesterday's game. Crosswell forced backwards by Cash. It's a lovely tackle. tackle. And it's released. Fossu. Fossu bearing down on the penalty area. Goes past one man, goes past another, shooting opportunity, takes it, parried away by Eastwood in the Oxford goal. Step over and then release it to Silva behind him. De Silva's got Fossu inside, but he's also got Mavadidi back outside. Mavadidi taking on Kane, going past him. Chip ball into the box, Foster Caskins there, but oh, the oh, header comes Marshall. in from Marshall. 
just wide, well I say just wide, it was a good yard, two yards wide of the right-hand post, but great work in the first place from Mavadini, and good work from Marshall to get into that position. It's a header from the goal kick, but it's been picked up by Mavat, who tries to release Abika, brings it down Abika, turns and shoots, into the top corner, oh, hits the crossbar, oh. and away by Lennon, with Amos absolutely beaten all ends up. Lennon finds McGuinness on the left-hand side, he's made some good runs in the channel for Charlton. McGuinness, good, good ball into the box, and Fosu, oh, oh he just needed to tap oh, it in. Oh, oh. He's claiming it was a deflection before him, I think it was Martin who missed the ball ahead of Kane him. Kane into the penalty, and Mavadidi goes a goal. Oh, oh, oh. It's an important block by Martin, and that's the last piece of action here in the first time. Only as far as Fosu gets under control, Fosu trying to work a bit of space to his right, finds McGuinness, it's a lovely touch from McGuinness, goes oh. a goal, tip wide by Eastwood. Good football from Charlton. It's over the head of the Oxford defence, and Fosu will try and close it down, and oh. Mussinio gets himself in a bit of trouble. It comes to McGuinness, McGuinness on the edge of the penalty, a good challenge from Mussinio. Cashi gets there first, Cashi in the penalty, Cashi! Oh, yes! finish! His first goal of the oh. season, beats Eastwood. Diving to his right side, Cashy's running around the valley. <laughs> Absolutely delighted for him. McGuinness has stayed down, though, from the challenge. And Charlton take the lead here at the valley. A superb work from uh, Tariq Fosso and McGuinness in the first place because the ball forward, Oxford stepped up, McGuinness would have been caught offside so he deliberately didn't run for the ball, allowed Fosso to chase it in, he caused uh, Massinho all sorts of problems, he was trying to get rid and he couldn't, trying to wait for the ball to hit the keeper and it wouldn't, so Fosso stepped in, managed to sort of force the mistake from Massinho to... The allow McGuinness to take the shot, or at least attempt the shot, and that's why he's down injured. The ball spun through to Cashy, little touch into the box, and a lovely finish to the right-hand side of the cuts key. inside. Ball across the box to Henry, who's in space. Henry, and he's got Smith-Brown on the outside, takes the shot and scores. Charlton have had opportunities to punish Oxford, and they haven't, and they've allowed Oxford back in the game. Henry picked the ball up on the edge of the area. Everybody thought, I think, he was going to go left to Smith-Brown. Instead, took the shot to the right-hand side of Amos, who had no chance to keep it out. Waiting for the restart. Now taken, goes back to Cashy. Cashy looking left for the run of De Silva. He's looking to get beyond Kane, but uh, Kane... Well, he played the ball and De Silva's nipped in and taken it off him. Back into the ball! Oh, it's superbly finished by Josh McGuinness! Lovely work from De Silva to Rob on. on the right-hand side, the Charlton left outside the penalty area. He nipped into the penalty area along the touchline, ball back into the six-shot box and finished by McGuinness. Oh, it's all made by Jay De Silva. It's, an, it's actually a great pick-out from Cashy just to put Kane under that bit of pressure. But De Silva does excellently to not only win it back, but get into the penalty area, then the ball across is inch perfect. And I'm so delighted that McGuinness is on the receiving end. He's worked so hard today, McGuinness. A player out of confidence, a player who's not been in form, but he deserves that goal for Charlton. And they have the, pons the perfect response. Yeah. He's got it into the box, and it's found oh, off the post. Buckley off the Ricketts. post by Buckley Ricketts after Lennon had sort of slipped, attempting to get to their first. On halfway, goes further left out there to Riccadinho. Ball into infield and, and up to Ruffles. Ruffles into the box and it's going to meet uh, the on-running Kane, who equalises for Oxford. Once again, it's terrible defending from Charlton. Again, out of nothing. Really out of nothing. They get a bit of space on the left-hand side. It's a good ball in. 
But it's the right back who's come all the way forward to tap in. It's an empty net for him. There's no one picking him up. Makes amends for his error earlier. Chalna are going to be so gutted with that. Their own doing defensively, not Ford good enough. Looking for Napa, who's got beyond the silver. Ball into the box, finds Buckley Ricketts, turns, goes back the other way, sets up the Oxford man, and he scored. And it's Ledson who could have broke Charlton's heart here. Oh, I don't believe it. It's, it's the same sort of goal for Charlton to concede. It's down the, the side. There was Buckley Rickett, uh, Ricketts who beats Cashy way too easily. Sets up Ledson. Again, there's no one following him at all. No one at all. And Ledson from the edge of the box is a sublime finish from the central midfielder. But Charlton defensively have been woeful today. Three really poor goals to concede. Three similar goals, all from wide positions, ball across. That one was a great finish, yes, but why he was in that much space, how he was able to have that shot, I'll never know. And that's the last action of the game. Yeah, didn't sound any better the second time round, really, <laughs> <laughs> did it? I mean, you know, we get ourselves in that position with 12 minutes left to go and we think we think there's going to be three points for us and then, and then that happens, horrible. Nath, I'm, not, you, I'm not sure Nathan can talk. You seem to particularly enjoy it. <laughs> Oh dear. Um yeah the thing is like Telsa, we do we just seem to um every time we seem to come against a big strong centre back, we don't don't seem to manage it. You know, like the Calvin Andrews or Tom Eve, someone who puts themselves about, we just seem to be just weak. We go two one up and I don't know personally, uh, the game was stretched as it was. I just thought they were just cutting through us every time through the middle. Mm. I thought we should have put, in my opinion, put maybe put Jacko on or someone just in that middle just to short it up a bit because I think it was too open. Um, but like, like tell I me mean, at two one, I wouldn't say you know I was really really comfortable, but I couldn't see us losing the game <laughs> considering how far along it was. I just, it's still now this morning I was still wake, woke up in a foul mood. Yeah, um, I couldn't believe it. I mean that, like, that last twelve minutes after we after we went ahead, tell and with, with Josh <laughs> McGuinness's goal. I mean it was chaotic. It, it felt it, it, it felt it felt like you know hit the post. They were exploiting us in in wide areas, and it, I don't know. I mean, Nathan, Nathan said he felt comfortable a bit. I mean, I didn't particularly feel comfortable. <laughs> in that no, and I, and I do agree with Nathan about uh, shoring that midfield up. I think um, it was. Uh, I mean, maybe hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I think yeah, um, I'd have. Uh, I'd have un- I'd, I sort of expected him to bring Bauer or Jackson off, if I'm honest. Now, I'm not a huge fan of bringing another centre off, and I think it, it allows teams to um, press us and we and we drop too deep. But on the other hand, it might have you could have put Bauer at the back and released Konza just in front of him uh, in the midfield area, or brought or Jacko on to to uh, maybe shore things up. But on the other hand, uh, a lot of their play came down either flank. They 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 was um, playing these long balls over the top and behind. Uh, and even before they scored and before we scored, they they exposed us down both flanks quite a number of times. Mm. Um, I don't it, again. It, it was it's a bit strange because De Silva, for example, you don't see that happening normally. But uh, whether it's because Mavadid is not really a defensive player, you don't you know you're not going to expect him to come back and track back like Marshall does, for example. So um, maybe that's a, a, an area where we're going to constantly get exposed if if teams do it. Mm. Right, I think I've dealt with the beeping and the news, but if anyone starts hearing some headlines, let me know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it shouldn't come on till late. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Uh, right, I mean, I, I mentioned there at the top of the show asking, asking the listeners, but who 
who do you look to at, at, at full time now? I mean, when we don't see a game, and there has been a few cases over the last few weeks. You know, you mentioned that the Blackpool game. Uh, where, where we let, we let in a late goal and it's it's I mean it's it's maybe happened a couple of times too often now for it mm. to be a coincidence. So so what would you put down this sort of perhaps lack of concentration to? Um, I mean I know there's that there'll be a certain player I think will be uh, pinpointed for a lot of um, uh, of you know what, what it was down to. Yeah, I agree. Lennon probably didn't have his greatest game yesterday, but I think when we win games we do it together. So I think collectively I think all of us because our game management yesterday was was poor. You two one up at home, two minutes to go. Yeah, we probably cost errors and so forth, but we didn't manage the game, and we've done it so many times where we just can't seem to manage a game or see a game out properly. We invite ourselves, invite pressure onto ourselves. We just sit deep. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think Carl will lose to certain um, positions that didn't, you know, didn't do their bit. But yeah, we were just naive and just didn't really manage the game well enough for me and. It's just gutting, really, because we had such a such an opportunity yesterday mm. of you know picking up the, a couple of teams, one around us, but with a game in hand, it makes that game in hand against Shrewsbury that little bit more important now if we're going to try and stay in the mix. But yeah, I wouldn't say I'd pinpoint every, you know it all on one person, but um, I think the whole team collectively could have done better. I don't think we defended well as a team from mm. from the first minute. To be fair, um, I think uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know why I said it earlier. There, there seemed to be a collective nervousness across the back four, which I didn't quite get. And I, I take Nathan's point. I didn't think um, Harry Harry looked a bit more uh, more nervous than the others. Uh, sometimes he was put in some impossible positions. By the way, some really streaky passes back to him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I wish I could complain. I, I think you can probably the whole. Um, Notion of winners a team, losers a team is uh, is a bit of a naff uh, naff saying. But um, I think collectively we didn't defend well. If you consider all three goals came from uh, well two from midfield areas and one from their right back, that alludes to the fact that the team didn't defend because nobody tracked back. If you look to the fact that the substitutions didn't help because immediately after the substitutions we seemed to cave in. So um, I think everybody needs to take some responsibility for that. And I guess will people look at the um, lack of experience in that in the centre centre half position and say, "Oh, we wish we wish we had, you know, uh, Jason Pierce available, or maybe even Patrick Bauer." Do you know? I think uh, and it's, I'm, I'm not going to use this analogy too often, so uh, bear with. But um, if you remember, like the the the, the teams that have. Um, Fantastic forward play, you know, teams that have uh, lightning quick uh, on the break or, you know, some really exciting forward players. We have now, you know, we've got some, you know, in Mavadidi, in Fosu, uh, Marshall to a lesser extent possibly, but, you know, when Aribo's on the pitch, we've got players going forward are frightening or potentially frightening. But do does that mean we lose something at the back? Does that mean we lose that um, uh, ability to shore things up at the back? Because, you know, these players, as good as they are going forward, aren't necessarily going to be back in the uh, six-yard box uh, throwing their bo- uh, bodies in front of the ball as, mm. <laughs> as they come in. So, do we have to now uh, accept the fact that we've got uh, we're going to have to score three or four to win games? I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, if it works. And um, obviously, the big team news before the game. Then you mentioned it. No, no, Joe Rebo on on the on the field. Uh, he was replaced by by Forster Kasky. Um, were we surprised by that decision? Yes, uh, but I sort of convinced myself that uh, the reason it happened was because uh, this Jake Forster Kasky gives us a little bit more defensive cover. Well, that worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and of course, Tariq Fosu back in the, the the first time he started. I think he was due to start up at Blackpool last week anyway. Before the game got called off, for the first time he has started since his three and a half months out injured. And I thought he was our most lively looking player in the opening exchanges. He had that that shot that Eastwood did well to to palm away. But he was involved in a couple of nice moves. I think 
in the opening stages, we, we seem to be on top, certainly more than them, when they hit the bar that's, that, that came pretty much against the run of play. Mm. I thought I liked Fosu in that little number 10 role. Um, I thought we got the ball and he drove him, which was really good. Um, I thought the way that all the front four, even to McGuinness to an extent, he was sort of floating around on the left, they were interchanging really well. But, um, I mean, yeah, I it was it was a nice setup. But, yeah, Rebo, I thought we was harshly done by because I think he's been one of the better players in recent weeks. But, like, you know, Terwan Cole said, we can understand the reasons why Jake's in there. Um, but, yeah, Fos is, you know, he's still coming back. Um, there was one opportunity, which I think Cole says about when he should have squared it, um, which I nearly broke the chair in front of me, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I think everyone was anybody did. anybody in it? <laughs> yeah, I think he was. <laughs> so I think he left after that. Um, <laughs> he didn't have a chair to sit down on anymore. Yeah. <laughs> he's an old boy as well. But, um, yeah, no, so, uh, yeah, we played well, but it's, it's interesting what Tell said, you know, those front three, uh, the front four, rather, even with Zara and Kai Kai on the bench, it does leave us quite exposed if they don't do their jobs. Because <laughs> especially, you know, Cashy and Jake, they're all or nothing and they they, they ain't going to have too much in the tank after 80, 85 minutes. So, which you could, which, well, it was evident yesterday because they sort of run straight through us. Yeah. So after, after that opening spell where we saw, like I say, Mavadidi had, uh, Marshall had his, not even Marshall, Marshall had a header wide not long <laughs> after Fossu's shot. Um, and then Abika hit the bar for them. He, he, Abika was their most dangerous player in that first half. So when when we saw him sort of going off injured, coming up towards half time, we thought, oh, hopefully they'll take a bit of the sting out of it. But in in, in terms of our performance in that first half, other than that first 15, 20 minutes or so, we didn't really see too many balls into the box for us, other than that one that that Fosu couldn't quite connect with. So other than that, I think the the, the, the tempo of the game certainly seemed to slow down as we you know approached half time. Yeah, going on with it. I, I think again, as I said, we we seem to that teams have come to us and do this a lot, and we've seen it before. The high pressing game, trying to stop us passing out from defence um, and negate the uh, the skill uh, the skill skillful players we've got. We're going to have to get used to that. They can't, and teams aren't going to be able to keep that up for ninety minutes. Uh, they're just not, and so we just got to be patient. Um, and and I thought we were. You know, I, th- I didn't think Oxford troubled us that much, other than the fact that again, for some reason. We look shaky at the back. You know, the ball's over the top and into the corners. Uh, we were scampering back. And normally when, when teams press us, you know, they um, they cause us a little bit of trouble, but they don't make us look... or well, they don't make us panic that much. But for some reason yesterday, I don't know what, whether it was the weather, the rain, people nervous about the slippery conditions, I don't know. But for some reason yesterday, we, we didn't handle it as well as I've seen us do before. Well, Carl, I spoke to Carl after. He talked a lot about players not doing their jobs in terms of tactically and not and not trying to be solid after we went 2-1 up and just almost going a bit too gung-ho perhaps when we were 2-1 up. I mean, did you get the impression that at times we were trying we were trying too too hard to go forward when we were and we weren't really thinking about our, our jobs at the back? Yeah, um, I think sometimes I think we tried scoring a perfect goal. Um, I think there were times where we just tried overpassing it. Um, but that, yeah, there were times where what people weren't doing their jobs, which you could see because every time they got the ball, you know that they were going to get in behind us. And like Terry said, everyone that comes here, they seem to play the same way. They always do the crossfield balls aiming at our fullbacks because they're not the tallest. So you're going to try and prey on that. But yesterday, I don't know. We just couldn't seem to. We just couldn't seem to. Just couldn't seem to cope with it, and it was just. It was. Just, I don't know. It was just weird. It, like, it was just a nervousness at, at some stages, but. We're like tell them we're just going to have to get used to it, I suppose, because that's how teams are going to play against us. <laughs> uh, start of the second half, you know, we hoping we come out sort of a, with renewed vigor after half time, and we did see that that first chance for for McGuinness. I think it was Fossey who had sort of uh, set him up and a shot from from the uh, the tight angle that was touched around. But again, it, it, 
I think in, probably until until we scored the goal, which was you know with what twenty five minutes left, twenty minutes left uh, through Cashy, then that that game it felt like it was petering out into a bit of a nothing nothing game. But you know, ball fell nicely for Cashy. It was a, a good finish. Nice to see him score. It was good work from McGuinness and from Fosu to persevere and create that chance for him. Uh, and we, we finally got to see what an Ahmed Kashi uh, goal celebration looks like when he hasn't knocked one in from 50 yards and, uh, and sort of slapped the air rather than anyone else, which was nice to see. I, yeah, I didn't know whether anybody got retribution on him. For, uh, for <laughs> oh, no, I've got a great photo, actually, which uh, Carl Andrews has been taking the photos for us, and he's got a great one in the huddle of Jake Forster Kasky's hand just, <laughs> just about, about to, to land on, the, on Kashi's head. I'll have to dig that oh, one. Uh, I, bet, that, I bet he's got a sore head this morning, <laughs> if that's true. That one. But, I mean, a great finish from Kashi, yeah. and probably the last player you expected to see bursting through and, and, and slotting away a chance like that. We had a couple of efforts, mm. didn't we? Um, <clears throat> most of them, the corner flag was in more danger than the goal, but... Yeah. Um, he just caught it right, and, and he was just right place, right time. He, he obviously could see that, uh, firstly, that Fosse was causing that um, uh, Massinho, uh, their captain, all sorts of problems. Because, I mean, they, the other thing that's really annoying is that after we'd scored the first goal, they almost mm. gave us four goals. On, mm. I mean, yeah. they made four complete howlers, one after the other. The goalkeeper twice, a couple of dodgy back pass. They, they almost tried to gift it to us, mm. and we didn't take advantage of it. Mm. Uh, and you just thought then that, oh, you know, is that going to come back to haunt us? But as much as I was uh, not 100% confident, I also didn't see them being that big a threat. But it was, they grew in confidence when we didn't take those chances, I think. Mm. Uh, and uh, James Henry came on for them, and uh, he's, he, we know how good he is. I mean, we tried to sign him, so we know, we know he's, uh, he's, he's uh, a handful. Uh, we know he's, uh, he's capable of, of scoring goals, and, and that's how it happened. And we left him far too much space in the box. Mm. Um, do, do you think? Do you think Mavadidi going off injured might have had something to do with it as well? Possibly. Similar time, yeah, and then obviously possibly. Kai Kai and Jairo both came on. That was sort of mentioned on Twitter before the game. But between those two, Jairo uh, and Kai Kai, they played. I think one league game in, in a couple of years. They, they, neither of them have played more than three or four games this year of cup football. Um, and and I guess it's all there is always going to be the risk. It's going to take them a little while to get up to speed. So all of a sudden you're bringing on two players who perhaps. A lacking a bit of game practice all at once, and that's probably going to take a little bit out of you as well. Which which makes you wonder why do it? Yeah, <laughs> you know when you've got uh, Ben Reeves on on the on the pitch uh, on the bench, you've got Johnny Jackson on the bench, you've got Patrick Bauer on the bench, and you've got Joe Rebo. We've all got game time under their belts. Um, it makes those you know if that if that's true and if that's if that's an excuse we're looking at, then it makes the substitution a little bit stranger. Yeah, because I noticed that Tim Tim Jackson's just tweeted in saying that losing Marshall, which was one of the players who went off yeah. when those two came on, uh, was what cost us. He once he wasn't tracking back, Scully was left two on one time and time again. Marshall's value in the last few weeks has been shown so much. I mean, that hundred percent agree with that because he, he is when we're talking about the attacking players tracking back. The one I was thinking who does is Marshall he's the best one for it and to be fair Ricky Holmes used to do it as well uh, when Ricky Holmes was playing he'd track back as well because it, that was obviously instilled in, in the players done it slightly did. too much now well maybe so ended yeah. up in yeah. Sheffield yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> uh, tracking up he is now um, Mavadidi doesn't do it as much uh, and when you see him try it's probably just as well uh, and, but this you know he's not that type of play you want him going in the opposite direction scaring uh, defences and, and scoring goals so I haven't got a problem with that what it may mean is, you know, this this formation that we that we have, where we sort of have this sort of was it four, one three two one or whatever it's got. I can never quite remember. Yeah. Uh, four, two, maybe four. we've got to back because you know if if the uh, if the forward players aren't going to track back, then the, the midfield's got to be stronger. Mm. 
Uh, and then it was, like I say, James uh, Henry who got the equaliser, former Millwall man, <laughs> we'd like to add, obviously. Uh, not close had down. To mention I mean, it, yeah, I mean, he seems to have an age to pick his spot on the on the edge of the area. Well, I think I mentioned mm-hmm. it in commentary. It's because everybody thought uh, that uh, Buckley Ricketts, who, who sort of went on a run, I can't remember if it was to his left or his right now, I've forgotten, but went on a run outside of him or into, uh, um, inside of him and, and drew the attention of the Charlton defence and we felt away from uh, Henry. They all went with the runner. It all seemed to at least their attention went with the runner and left Henry acres of space to pick his spot. Mm. Uh, but it's only 12 seconds after the restart. I think so. I didn't realize it was that quick until I listened back to it this morning. <laughs> that it's only 12 seconds after, and Jade Silva capitalizing on, on perhaps a mistake at the back and, and plays it square. And now, you know, the, the undoubted high point for me yesterday, Josh McGuinness finally getting back on the score sheet, his first goal in 15 appearances desperately needed it and it's, it's funny actually because um, I know it's a lot of people saying oh he deserved that goal for his performance but I, I'll tell you what if we'd if he'd not scored yesterday and put in the same performance people have been saying the same stuff they said over the last few weeks because he, he always links up play he always makes himself busy he just don't, he's not scoring goals at the moment that's why I think as soon as he adds a goal back into it I think people then become more awake to what he does bring to the team yeah no I agree and I think to be fair to Josh I don't think he's had the um I don't think the service has been outstanding um, in in previous weeks. Not like he's he's had it on the plate every week, loads of crosses, and he's missed like yeah, he's missed a couple of one and ones. And um, but yeah, he, yeah, he did deserve his goal yesterday. But he deserves a goal most weeks because of his if we're putting it down to work effort. But um, yeah, no, it was good. It was nice to see him get a goal. Good work from Jay. Um, I don't know what it was, it was right in front of me. I don't know what the right back was doing. Um, <laughs> but then he had the last laugh anyway, or the second goal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was just delight to see Josh score, and it just everyone, everyone just loves him, and he, he pointed to the crowds. I don't know if his son was there again because he only seems to score when he's kids. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, that Kane, uh, it was, was their number nineteen, their right back, was having a torrid time most of the game, especially when Mavadidi was on. He couldn't cope with him at all, and that sort of stopped him going forward as much. Even though, although in the first half, if you noticed the, them balls that were being launched down over the top of Jada Silva, and they were running back um, in the first sort of ten or fifteen, twenty minutes, um, he was getting forward a lot at that point. And so there was always a threat down that side. He, he obviously loved getting forward. Um, and uh, he was the one that punished us with the second goal. And I think, um, but uh, what we showed with the De Silva goal, and, or the, sorry, McGuinness goal, is that uh, De Silva exposed him horribly as a defender. Mm. So the way, so you've gone 2-1 up with, with 12 minutes left to play. Um, and, and then how you manage the game for the rest of it. You, you, like, I think, like, as Carl said in, in, in interviews after, you expect to become solid. You know, look for the third for sure, but don't you know, almost go f- all out to try and find that third. And, and the, the amount of times we seem to get caught out at the back in that final 12 minutes. And we saw, I think it was Napper who hit the post uh, before they came back into it. And then that equalising goal from, from Kane. I mean, how we had that much space just to turn it home in the uh, in, in the middle of our area in the, in the last minute of normal time is anyone's question. Nobody tracked him back. Simple as that. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> at that point, it was uh, Kai Kai, wasn't it? It was on that mm. uh, our mm. left hand side, so it would have been, I guess, down to him or, or at least another of the midfield players to, to track him back uh, when he when he came forward, and we didn't. Simple and, as that. And do you think it is a case of with Kai Kai then lack of game practice, perhaps, it's or being too lack of knowledgeable yeah. of, of the go- of the time? But you've got to admit that uh, it's happened. Be- it happened before then. Um, not to the same effect, obviously. So you know, it, it was um, it, it was done before before Kai Kai got on. Uh, that situation could have happened once or twice, maybe even three or four times before, That's where um, where he got into dangerous positions. It's just mm. basic, it's just basic football knowledge. You track your runners, don't you? That's what you tra- taught at school. It's like, and then obviously that now, as well as obviously the next one, this cost us. So 
silly really but considering the situation <coughs> we were in I think the, the difference is I think anyway that um, when you've got forward thinking players and you've got um, yeah. a defender like that Kane who'd come forward and then got caught out at the back mm. possibly because he'd just bombed forward bit, you know, for the Henry goal um, so he's uh, he's probably still blowing a bit and that's why uh, De Silva managed to nip in and do it if you've got teams that can do that and, and, and therefore their right back isn't as defensive minded as it should be we've got to punish them yeah. and when we don't punish them and let's you know, think on if uh, if Fossil had lifted his head up we, uh, we might have scored <laughs> uh, and there was a, a, at least two others with similar situations where we were in positions where we should have done better and didn't mm. so you know if we'd have been two goals clear then it's less of an issue and then maybe that guy doesn't make that run because uh, he's too yeah. busy concentrating on trying to defend uh, the players that are giving him hard time so uh, as it was they were desperate to get back in the game so they bombed forward <laughs> we didn't track them and uh, in the commentary, I think you said uh, when that second goal went in, his broken Charlton hearts. Well, no, <laughs> they, uh, chopped him up and into extra pieces there at the end with that that goal from uh, Ledson. Again, not exactly closed down. I mean, you'd think you would have learnt your lesson after the first couple. And what had he done the rest of the game, by the way, yeah. Ledson? I mean, Nothing. you know, he was anonymous, yeah. pretty much anonymous the for the whole player, game. And he didn't do anything. And did, yeah, yeah, we had we had him we had him in in our pockets for most of the game, uh, and he is one of their better players. So I mean, so when that final whistle's gone, and you're looking at defeat, you're looking at disappointment. Are you looking at? Do you think that's the result that was deserved throughout the ninety minutes? No, I, I still no. think we shaded it. I still think we were the better mm. side. Uh, I mean, I, I, I actually haven't seen the stats. It might be something I'll look up. But uh, how our stats compared to theirs in mm. terms of possession, mm. in terms of shots, and etc. etc. Maybe the post and that, I suppose. But yeah, I think I can't. I can't sit there and think how they actually troubled us. Really, I wouldn't say we got played off the park or. So I think we deserved something. I thought it was robbery, but um, but no, it's not disagreed. if you give them free. No, exactly. Though. No, yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously we lost three two. We conceded three, so obviously we don't deserve to win on goals. But I think our our play probably merited a better result. But it wasn't to be, and um, it's, it's like you say, we've given them free goals, so it's all our own fault, really. Right. So obviously, uh, frustrations uh, at the final whistle. Uh, Carl Robinson came in to speak to Terry after yesterday's game. This is what he made of that defeat at home to Oxford. We didn't give our full-backs enough protection when we were winning. And we didn't encourage them to come on to us. Listen, once they score with a few minutes to go, obviously the ascendancy is with the opposition. Um, and we don't want to accept a draw, we want to win. So we, 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 But still, it was nowhere near good enough the last six minutes. The well, goal. take that six minutes away from it. We were by far the best team, yeah, isn't it? And that's the point. I mean, it's, it's like we, uh, we snatched defeat from the jaws of victory uh, by ourselves almost. Because... Yeah. Uh, uh, all goals pretty much coming from midfield uh, runners into the box, which uh, which also must disappoint. <laughs> yeah, but and and none of them were the midfield's fault. It was other people that could have helped them out. They did all their jobs, and then there's one where one midfield player tracks someone all the way when he didn't have to. We can pass him on. Um, there's another one where someone didn't track the runner down the side. But then at two one and at one nil today, we had some good chances that we that we we were selfish in that, rather than giving it to somebody else to score. And well, I mean, we could have ended up three one up, and we could have said game over eighty eight minutes. But from that, they broke, and then all of a sudden, we're on the back foot again. And is that uh, is that going to be a learning curve for for players? It's a learning curve for a young team, yeah. yeah. It's still finding its way together, and um, coming back to fitness. Um, but there's a lot more to come from them. I mean, it must be crushing that uh, you know, from a point where even two one up, being one up was great, but two one up with. Okay. Cashy scoring the first one and then Josh McGuinness getting back on the score sheet the second it must have all seemed like uh, the afternoon was going to be wonderful yes but 
no step, but that's when it comes down to the discipline of the team to keep the shape. Um, and they never, they never, far from it. And added to that, of course, we had uh, Steffi going off uh, with an injury. How bad is that? It looked, uh, looked like a hamstring. <coughs> yeah, we think it's a hamstring, but we don't know how bad that is yet. So we'll have to wait and see how that materialises. Obviously, we'll, go for, we'll see how it settles tomorrow and then we'll... Is it the same leg that you did? I don't know, I, don't, I can't really recall what leg you did. Uh, I mean, um, to be fair. Yeah, so I'll be guessing if I, if I give you an answer on that. No, fair enough. Uh, but again, it's a, it's, a, it's an afternoon that's finished uh, in a way that uh, that didn't look like it was going to start. You know, it started superbly. We, we lost it today. It's, it's, it's quite clear. We, we didn't give our midfield protection or our full-backs protection and people didn't do their jobs. It's as simple as that. Today is the clearest reason why we never won. It's so obvious when you see the goals back. So obvious. And uh, equally frustrating when you look at the results elsewhere that could have uh, that really. Well, actually, I mean, yeah. it be frustrating or equally yeah. well. Well, if you got away with it, uh, we saw our two new signings, uh, loan signings, coming off the bench. Um, they look rusty, I think. Today, I thought Solé looked a little bit ahead of of uh, Michael, but Michael showed glimpses of his power and his pace. Um, but it, there's a recovery element to that and getting back into shape. Um, we made that substitution because we thought Marsh was off a little bit today. Um, and then also as well, obviously Steffi's one was forced, one was a little bit more tactical. But um, yeah, it's disappointing. Again, up to that point with Steffi and Tariq, uh, especially causing Oxford all sorts of problems. Yeah, uh, but, but you, must, you, you must be in a, you must be in here or after the game thinking, how, how do we lose that really? Yeah, yeah. Because on the face of it uh, and the way we played at times, we should have been out of sight, right? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. We haven't got a game midweeks, which I suppose does that is that is that a benefit because obviously you said that the two new guys are rusty. Obviously, going to need game time as well as yeah, I think it's game time on anything. Yeah, but, but listen, we'll, we'll come back in. We'll work hard this week and we'll, and we'll we'll dust ourselves off and go again. We still got two or three two games in hand on certain teams above us. We're in a relatively good position in relation to where we've been at. We put ourselves right in the mix, but today is a bit of a dent in our, in our confidence and our pride. Obviously, got some big games now coming up that we've got to take full advantage of. Chip ball, look at the run of Fossu, who's onside Fossu, edge of the penalty area, can he get a shot away? He can and it's the opening goal! Tariq Fossu sprung the offside trap, gets his second goal of the season and Charlton's first of the evening and they're 1-0 up here at the Banksy Stadium. You're listening to Charlton so welcome back. It's John Live here on Maritime Radio. Good to hear from Carl Robinson who came in to speak to uh, Terry uh, exclusively for Charlton Live after yesterday's defeat. Um, you, said, <laughs> you said he didn't. Really, he wasn't. He wasn't in the mood. Really, he was. He? No, he no. wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I did more talking in that interview than he did. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, he, <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, he just didn't. I mean, especially. Uh, I think he opened up a little bit more towards the end, but certainly at the beginning, he, he didn't really seem like he wanted to, uh, to, to say much about it. He came out a lot quicker yesterday than he normally does mm. after a defeat, which I found surprising as well. But um, yeah, I mean, he he, he talked. I, I don't know if you mentioned it in that one specifically, but when he talked, he talked about the substitutions he made in in the BBC interview, and he sort of said maybe he made the wrong ones. Do you think he was sort of, you know, do you think he did make the wrong substitutions yesterday? Uh, well, Mavadidi was forced. Um, I just think bringing two 
<clears throat> two, when we know that they're where they're targeting, so they know we knew that they were targeting our fullbacks, and then to bring two new people with the in as the, in the wider positions that are supposed to be protecting the fullbacks, um, which which he admitted they're both rusty, they've hardly played, and they're very attack-minded players. I could, I could, I don't see the point. I didn't see the Kai Kai. Yes, Iro. I didn't really understand. I thought at first Joshua was going to go out uh, and offer that bit more of a sort of that work because of his work rate um, as a protection for souls. But he put Zyro on there, and um, but yeah, it's hindsight. You know, I can sit here and say it was the wrong one. Um, Kai Kai had to come on, but yeah, it's. I just find bringing two rusty players on in key positions where we know where they're targeting was quite quite confusing. But what else could he have done, really? Mm. Well, don't forget, uh, our, our two players in focus this evening are Sully Kai Kai and Michael Zyra. There's a tweet, which I've just retweeted now from the uh, the Chapman Live account and from my own account, uh, asking what you made of those uh, the performances of those two yesterday. So if you go on to, to Twitter and let us know, uh, at Chartwin Live, what you made of the performances of Michael Zyro and of Sully Kaik on their debuts. Um, I must tell you this actually before we uh, before we start taking in the correspondence from yesterday. Now, so at uh, you know at five o'clock yesterday when the, the, we conceded that third goal, obviously we're everyone who supports Charlton's fuming. I'm fuming. Uh, you guys are fuming. Carl's fuming. Uh, Another half Amy's fuming. Now she's uh, she's just put, gone on Facebook and just put right uh, just put on Facebook. No one talked to me. Uh, tagging, tagging in the valley or anything, so everyone knows she's talking about football. And she's got, um, she's got some relatives who live down in, I think Maidstone actually. Um, sort of, uh, I don't think they, they come to too many games now, but Uncle Uncle Bill was still a, a Charlton fan and still looks out for the results. And uh, so Amy's put on uh, on, uh, on 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 Facebook, um, you know, I'm fuming. No, nobody talked to me, um, uh, and uh, Amy's aunt has responded to to that Facebook thing saying, "Oh, how do you do it?" Uh, how, how do they keep doing it? Bill's just shut himself in the bathroom, and Amy sort of said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I understand." And now, uh, Auntie Sheila's responded again today, and saying, "Oh, I must tell you this, Amy. Bill spent the rest of the evening walking around grumbling. Got up this morning saying, well, at least we had a draw.' Then he opened the paper and saw that a second oh. last minute goal went in, and then we actually oh. lost. Now I'm going to shut myself. Yeah, in the I was going to say, I bet the toilet's going to take a hammering. <laughs> yeah. So, he, so he was miserable, thinking we drawn two all. <laughs> And uh, didn't find out about the uh, the third goal. Oh, that's painful. Yeah, that was uh, yeah. Someone, someone at least uh, at least uh, I don't know if I'd prefer it like that <laughs> or not. At least you're going around. At least no, you got twelve hours thinking we drawn. I'd rather spend a week thinking we drawn yeah. rather than a day. <laughs> well, it's a shame we didn't go to the bathroom with twelve minutes left to play. Really, <laughs> exactly, celebrating yeah. the three points. All right, let's have a look at the uh, the tweets that started coming in uh, this afternoon. The first one came from Ev James. Said, "Evening, chaps. Carl Robinson states that we were in control each time we took the lead. If that was the case." Uh, then we were all seeing a different game. Oxford shut us down all afternoon. Uh, they were in control, so they knew how to kill a game off. We need to learn from this and quickly. Too many times this season we have had the inability to kill a game off. However, once the experience returns to the defence and now Josh has his goal, we will do the business. Uh, we have such a youthful, skillful ball-playing team. It's always great to have this, but knowing how to mix it up will see us over the line. At this rate, we will just crawl over it. And you've used that. I mean, I've mentioned it a few times now. I just wonder if the inexperience of the, of, of the backline might not have helped at, at times. But you know, the, the inexperience of how we seem to be distorted, or the, the lack of common sense of just trying to of, of getting caught out over and over again at the back when you know when we were winning, then when we were drawing as well. It just seemed it was so naive at, at that defending at times. I, yeah, and I think that's fair. But I mean, 
who do you blame that? You know, who do you target that? Well, I blame that on you, Yeah, okay, cheers. <laughs> Um, you know, because yeah, all right. Uh, having Piercy at the back is obviously going to be better because he's 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 by far our best defender. Maybe uh, Patrick Bauer alongside Piercy is the best back two uh, central two we have. I don't know. I like Conza playing. I think he's is uh, is calm and he likes to play football. And he's, um I like having the, the sort of mix. So Pierce and Conza are, are a great mix. However, there are times when you know, and and players like Piercy and, and potentially Bauer know this. Times when Rosed is a much better option. Uh, and um, maybe not doing that enough brings the uh, f- fragility to the rest of the back or mm. rest of the side, because when they scored their second, we sort of allowed Oxford then to just steamroller us uh, yeah. for the final goal. And, and maybe when you've got more experienced heads out there, uh, that if they can't kick the ball, they kick the, uh, the player. Mm. Uh, to make sure they don't do that. <laughs> and on that exact point, Richard Justin just tweeted in, why have uh, JJ on the bench if we don't bring him on to close down games like that? Because I, f- I feel like we have seen him a couple of times this season where he, he has he's come done on that. to that. Exactly like, I, think, yeah. I think even the Walsall game at home yeah. possibly he came on in that game or or, or maybe it was the, the, the Olden game at home where he does come on and he, and he can add that experience head and that a bit of communication and stuff that we need. So maybe that would have been a wise decision yesterday. Oh yeah, 100% because I think we we said at the beginning of the year we knew JJ wasn't going to be playing every week, but there'll be games where we we'll need to see a game out. We might be chasing a goal after a set piece or something, and I think that would have been because I know he brought a rebo on, but that was like ten minutes after the second goal was or something, wasn't it? Or the, uh, the, after our second goal. But as much as a rebo is good, I still think it should have brought a bit of steel one because we were too I think, open. I think he brought Johnny Jackson on um, both for the Gillingham uh, for the uh, Oldham game and the Berry game mm. when we were one 0 up. So, um, so yeah, it's, I, don't, it's, I don't know why he did it. So, I don't yeah, know if, yeah. if Jacko, well, he wouldn't be carrying injury because he wouldn't be on the bench, but I don't know. But obviously, only maybe he wanted to give a rebar a go because recent form, I don't know. But yeah, we just like we said earlier, the game management was poor. You know, we, we didn't keep the ball, we didn't you, like you wanted, you wanted someone like Pierce here, just no nonsense, just get rid of it, you know, mm. just not faffing about at the back, but. Yeah. I don't know how long it is for, until Piercy's back because um, I think Piercy and Konza are our best too. I think Bale's okay, but I think Piercy's just by far our best defender. Yeah, uh, Dan Dempsey says uh, we leave a big Josh on for ninety minutes uh, when in the last ten he struggles to run back. Second goal was a hoof to him offside. Uh, then they counter and score. Wingers didn't support fullbacks at two two either. See, I'm, the amount of times when when the ball goes into the box, even late on there, and I thought I thought McGuinness was back there defending. So did you feel he was he was not getting back to help? Or? Well, I think it's possible. I don't think it's impossible. But um, and it's going to sound like I'm you know Josh can do no wrong, which is clearly not the case. But uh, when you've got a centre forward um, who's basically up there pretty much on his own for most of the game uh, and has to run into the channels and has to, to, to chase lost causes, you know, to then track back um, is asking a lot. Uh, he's, he's there at set pieces, of course. Uh, and, it, you know, if, if their centre-half scores or one of the two centre-half scores that uh, runs past him and puts the ball in the net, then I'd, I'd accept the criticism of him. But when it's a, a right-back or... Uh, two midfield players who are uh, burying the ball in the back of the net and I'm not sure that's uh, Josh McGuinness's fault mm. uh, Teddy Boy says uh, Big Josh played well got the goal his performance deserved disagree with Robbo regarding Jake Foster Kasky for he started well but deteriorated as the game went on in contrast Ledson became more and more influential ultimately we struggle to kill a game off we don't score enough when we're on top and regularly look likely to concede yesterday we got punished because uh, yeah in, in interviews yesterday Carl said he felt that Cashy and Forster Kasky were our two best players mm. 
Did you? I mean, did you agree with yeah. that? Did you disagree? Because Teddy Boy didn't disagree I, with that. I thought. I, I don't know. I thought, I thought. I didn't think they were poor. I thought. Um, I thought they both had had quite a lot of energy in there. I thought they done okay. Um, Cashy got forward a lot more than I have ever seen him. Hence why he probably had a nosebleed after he scored. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I thought they done okay. I, 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 I didn't. I, saying who was our best players. I mean, apart from Josh, I would have said them too. I don't think. But it's going back to the point about wasting chances exactly what Tell said there was a there was a period where goalie kicked it out twice like Tell said there was a little dodgy head uh, back pass and, and we nearly capitalised on that it's just moments like that where we always seem to f- not finish and then we're always sitting here on a Sunday saying oh well if we put our chances away if we put our chances away we'd be in the top two I think but we just don't <laughs> as simple as that yeah Stephen Reader. So he's how about talking about how inept Robinson is as a manager. His tactics, the formation he sticks with, they're not good enough. Everyone knows how we're going to play. It's boring, negative football to get out of Division 3. You have to play 4-4-2 and put teams under pressure. I mean, it's well known that we we stick to the 4-2-3-1. I, I disagree that it's negative, boring football, because I think... It's, you can argue it sometimes it's too too gung ho like at times yesterday when with the amount of attacking players that we do have but I mean it's just to say we're predictable some people a lot of people have said that and we do tend to stick to the same formation do you think there is a danger that we could get found out uh, I think we are yeah. being found out mm. generally I mean people uh, teams come here with a game plan that we either can or can't deal with um I think you've got to give Oxford some credit in as much as that um, normally when teams like Berry and, um and uh Oldham came here with that same game plan, but as soon as we scored, um, they didn't then have the um, either ability or the, the, the nous to come back at us, whereas Oxford did. Um, and Oxford didn't change that game plan. They carried on with the same one. Um, and they clearly sensed that we were uh, we were fragile uh, and then went for it. And so you have to give them some credit because uh, normally speaking, when you uh, when you go 1-0 up after, uh, after a team's battle to try and keep us uh, keep it to a clean sheet and try and nullify us then there's the danger that they could capitulate which they didn't clearly mm. um, about the formation I, I understand what people are saying I, don't, I think we are too rigid from time I think um, there, there should be times when you s- change it up a bit it did look like we were playing four four two when um, Jaro come on it, it looked that way whether that was deliberate or not I'm not sure mm. uh, Riscardo says game management was the problem the blame lies with the management team. And then uh, Fry Fury says, uh, yesterday was a last straw for me in supporting Robinson. I've lost complete confidence in his ability as a manager. Apart from that, I was very happy for Super Josh. Uh, won every ball in the air, worked so hard in his endeavour to get on the end of De Silva's cross. Uh, was amazing. So, I mean, so uh, on there, Fry Fury is saying that he's, he's lost complete confidence in Carl Robinson uh, after yesterday's result. I mean, obviously, this comes on the back of a, a little bit of a winning streak and, you know, a transfer window that probably gone slightly better than most people expected but you know I mean we, we saw that before before we had these three or four wins in, in a row when we were on that bit of a winless run there was quite a lot of fans sort of questioning Carl Robinson and we and that seemed to quiet down after after the three wins but obviously a lot of people are going to look at uh, you know a couple of goals in the last couple of minutes I mean Carl was, was as annoyed as everyone else at full time yesterday I mean can you you see why people are questioning him perhaps can you or? um uh, Do you think it's too soon, or you know, is, is it come on on the back of a, that that run we were on yeah. just before the last couple of games? I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, everyone's entitled to their view. I don't agree with it, but I think yeah, we had that bad patch over Christmas where we had a lot of injuries and our form wasn't great. We've won a couple since then, and it sort of mellowed a little bit. And then as soon as we lost the game, I anticipated it coming back again because. Yeah, I mean, on paper, our squad should be a lot higher up in the league, in my opinion, but we're not. Um, 
but yeah, I can understand people's frustrations, but I wouldn't say it's, in my opinion, I wouldn't say it's, um, I've had enough of Robbo. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look, like, so you, you mentioned the injury crisis mm. over the Christmas period, which I think it would have it hurt any team. And there, there were mm. some performances within that Christmas period that despite the injury crisis weren't good enough, obviously. Uh, you will get those throughout the season. But now now as we're sort of coming out the other end of it, there's only a couple now who are still, still wait, we're still waiting for fitness. Obviously, we're not going to see Billy Clark, but the likes of, of Piercy and, and Bauer who are sort of coming back now. You know, so once the squad gets together, and now after this, like we say, transfer window that hasn't gone as badly as as we'd hoped or as as we feared, sorry. Um, now, now is the time that Carl has to prove himself for the rest of the season. Now, because whatever happens between now and the end of the season is where it is is what he's going to be measured on fully. Because, like I say, he might have got a little bit of leeway because of the injury crisis over Christmas. So now he's got what's set out in front of him for the rest of the season. You know, I mean, this is this is one game. This is a blip. This is a, a disappointing result that if it, if it finished five minutes earlier, we would have won. We'd be going on about great four wins in a row. <laughs> I think that, well, I think he's got a bit of leeway because we, we achieved those uh, uh, three results on the back of um, losing Ricky Holmes and on the back of what's been going on around the, the ground, uh, around outside um, the, the football playing side of the, of the club. Um, everybody thought we were going to lose players, including Carl. So... Um, it's that's I think that's the reason um, that uh, people backed off a little bit on Carl because he managed to get three really good results on, on in around some utter chaos, um, and I think the reason then it's gone completely the other way is because we came into yesterday and and Blackpool obviously the, the game before Blackpool that was called off we came into those games with a renewed confidence that we'd survived the transfer window without losing anybody else we brought in two fairly exciting players. We had Fosu back. We had Mavadidi on fire. So everybody's thinking, "Well, this is it." You know, we've now got players who are on fire and can rip rip teams apart. We got people coming back from injury now playing. We've got two new signings who are supposed to be fantastic. We are now on a roll. And so losing after everybody thinking that this is the new dawn is bound to kick people in the guts. Absolutely bound again. So you're going to get a reaction. And mm. that's football. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Uh, right, Matt Brown says, uh, yesterday we struggled to finish some of our chances, felt that Lennon has taken a lot of stick, but Konza didn't really impress me. Uh, we need to improve in a few areas, such as taking chances and helping uh, get back when defending. I mean, uh, uh, Fred uh, sort of mentioned about you know what, what Carl said about players not tracking back and said that it was the players who've become complacent. I mean, uh, you know, that, that that's what seems to be what Carl was saying in, in the interview. Uh, yesterday, Jimmy C said, "When De Silva has been bombarded uh, in the past, Carl Robertson has brought on Saar to help out on the left. That has worked pretty well. De Silva is a tidy left back, but can struggle under an aerial assault. And obviously, we didn't have Saar available. We did have Bauer on the bench yesterday, so that could have been an option if you wanted to try like that. But there's been a couple of times where Carl sought to protect uh, De Silva from from long balls and stuff. I mean, yeah, well, I don't think it was the aerial that actually. Mm. I mean, I agree that it was. Um, it was down that side. We seemed to be. Um, we seemed to be getting caught out. But I don't think it was an aerial threat necessarily. Um, it was just that they were overloading down that side constantly. Uh, that the threat came. So maybe Carl just didn't think there was much point. I, I actually agree with that to a point whereby you know we're talking maybe bringing Jacko on because we were clearly getting overrun down that side and and De Silva needed help. No question about it. Mm. And and he didn't get it. Yeah. Now Richard Burton responding to. Uh, 
Carl's quote where he said uh, in, in one, of the, one of the quotes in the interview which I tweeted was, uh, it was nowhere near good enough in the last six minutes but take away those six minutes and we were by far the better team and Richard Burton said I agree with Carl if we hadn't lost the match we might have won <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is fair right London Nick Giza says so tell me again why Robinson is so great as I don't get it uh, as for signing the Palace Wonder Kid on loan to give him experience to benefit them disgusted completely disgusted wouldn't happen if I was in charge hell would freeze over first I mean obviously <laughs> it doesn't obviously yeah I mean um, it I was chatting to yeah, that's uh, nailed to the mask yeah, right there. It was chatting to Mads uh, in in the crossbars after the game yesterday. Many of you will know Mads. Uh, if don't if you don't know him, look up uh, Charlton fan ran Iceland England game, and then you'll know who Mads is. <laughs> <laughs> but I was chatting to him after the game yesterday in crossbars, and he was he sort he pointed out quite nicely. We're talking about the, the the two new loan signings. And he said Mikel Zairo obviously on loan from Wolves, and Kai Khan loan from Palace. He said you know how it is. So Zairo's coming in and said oh. Excited to see this player. I've heard good things about him. Now, when when the kid from Palace comes comes on loan, he goes right. Go on and prove yourself, because because uh, uh, it's a little bit more you've got to do in it. And well, I think a part. Of, yeah, I mean, I think where especially Charlton fans are going to come from on that is that uh, we're we've offloaded Carlin, who's one of our own, to uh, to Crawley and score and scores by the way. Um, when most people were thinking he's getting back to sort of level that uh, we saw when he first burst onto the scene. And we bring in a kid. Now, the fact that he's from Palace doesn't help <laughs> by, by a long stretch. So that, uh, you know, Kaikai's Kai got a serious amount of um, uh, I don't know, pressure, I suppose, to, to perform because he's got to do, he's got to do the job. He's got, he's got to be better than Carlin by far. Uh, and he's got to really improve us. Otherwise, and, and uh, you know, it's because of where he's from. He's going to get. He's going to get some stick. Mm. He also had a, he had championship clubs after him as well, didn't he? So oh, by all accounts, he's a good player. So, and so he's just he's he's Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I say, he's a, the 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 pair of them, those two have only have barely played this season. Mm. So you're probably can't, not fair to judge them on the first mm. twenty minutes. But we are though, because there are players in focus <laughs> at the end of the show. So don't forget to well, I mean, in, in that respect. That, then that, you know, you've got to go back to then. That, you know, that is that Carl's responsibility because if they've only if they played that few games, should they have come on? Should they have been put under that microscope and under that pressure yeah. if they haven't got that game time in them? Especially at the same time. Uh, Sebo says, I blame it mainly on just being one of those freaky things that can only happen once in a while. And well, it, it only happens to Charlton. Yeah, it probably happened a for a very long time. Let's hope uh, it, that doesn't destroy the lads' uh, psychological confidence. See, I was trying to think the last time we'd, done, we'd conceded twice. I mean, uh, there'd there definitely be times uh, in between these two examples. But I remember I went up to Anfield... My first ever trip to Anfield would have been in about 2003, and uh, Sean Bartlett put us one nil up just after half time, uh, and on 86 minutes we were winning one nil and ended up losing two one with uh, Stephen Gerrard uh, scoring the winner. I remember, I think I was close to tears coming out of that as a uh, probably about 16 at the time. That's pathetic, but yeah, I was pretty upset coming out of that at the time. <laughs> uh, Colin Hart was considerably older than I was up there. <laughs> uh, Colin Hart says Lennon looked out of his depth. Uh, we were trying. Uh, we were too deep trying to defend the game. At my honest view, felt that Oxford looked a bit more drilled than we were. It's interesting, obviously, Oxford were managerless at the moment as well. Oh. It's often you often see teams who are all fighting together with no manager. Sometimes that they can pick something out. But in terms of, did they? Do you feel they were more organised? I think us struggling to break them down at times in that first half would certainly add to that when they broke us down so easily at the I end think of the game. Any team you play, no matter, no matter what level, um, if they sense a weakness, if if any team senses that you've got a weakness, if they sense you're not quite on it. Uh, and they can exploit that, and then they will. Because mm. um, you know, no, there are no mug teams. You know, there are teams you should beat, of course. But generally speaking, there are no, there are no real mug teams um, in League One, especially when you're, you know, in the same <laughs> similar position. So, you know, they they spotted our our, our frailty and went for it, and, yeah. and, and, and 
actually, you know, turned us over, and I wouldn't say deservedly so, but you know, the last five minutes we couldn't cope. Yeah. Something that Giza adding to his comments about Sully Kai Khan from Palace says, "I don't care if he's a reincarnation of Stanley Matthews, he won't get any support." Noted. From me, Colin Hart says, "Lads, the first half we got overrun on our left hand side. Jay seemed to have an extra man on him numerous times. So again, uh, perhaps a case of of people uh, not." tracking back uh, Seb Lewis says it's one of those that knocks you sideways for a couple of days like Blackburn Carlin Cup in 2005 was probably when I last felt like this I remember we lost uh, we were 2-0 up ended up losing 3-2 I think I was ill that night and didn't go to the game I remember going to bed and we were 2-0 up a bit like Uncle Bill in the story <laughs> there actually we were 2-0 up when I went to bed and I woke up, woke up and we lost 3-2 so uh, both results, both results, basically, are Uncle Bill's and yours' fault. Yeah, yeah clearly. Yeah. Well, I did it the other way around once. I used to work. I used to work shifts at Sainsbury's on a Tuesday night, night shift, um, and that, that would start at ten o'clock. So I remember I was sat up and we were playing Blackburn here at the Valley in our relegation season, and I sat up there with Teletext on the TV, uh, watching it, and it still said nil nil. I got a text from a friend of mine, who's not even a Charlton fan, said, "Oh, your game's uh, nil nil." So I thought oh, I must have finished. So I went down, started my shift, <laughs> came up about one o'clock in the morning. I thought I'd read the match report on Twitter on a uh, Teletext, and I saw that I think El Carcori yeah. scored like a ninety-second minute free kick. So it, it does work the other mm. way sometimes. And also, I saw I never realised Scott Parker had scored the winner at Leeds that time until I watched the highlights. Oh, wow. so I thought I'd finished one all. So I went absolutely mental when I watched those highlights. Uh, right, Valley Floyd Fred says that we are significantly underperforming. We have the second best attack in the league in terms of playing 4-2-3-1, which basically means you have four potential goal scorers on paper. With these new signings, we should be competing for the top two, not wavering for sixth. But injuries granted, we cannot control uh, has let us down. But my God, the defence this year has been awful. Robinson and Slade are polar opposites. We've had two shocks to the system in two seasons. Other than that, uh, other than Rotherham away, that was decent. But funny enough, actually, I mean, I, I enjoyed the defensive performance at Rotherham away, but the more you think about it, I mean, they missed two or three guilt-edged chances. Not, not as much as Wigan away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Wigan away was yeah, outstanding. And we, yeah, and we, so we have, we have done it at times. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, the same, but it's not consistently enough. And a, a good point there from Freddie about, um, you know, I think under, under Slade at the start of the season, I think we were conceding quite a few, you know, not very many goals. Uh, and it's been two very big changes in playing style. Yeah, but we never went over the halfway line either. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, in fairness, that's that's long enough uh, ago for it not. It shouldn't really be an issue now. But there, there we go. Uh, Reese says another game where uh, where we conceded two goals in the last minute was Wigan two one in uh, in uh, two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, Sordell put us one 0 up early in the tram, letting two easily savable shots yeah. in stoppage time. Yeah, I remember that oh, and got yeah. absolutely uh, soaked. Uh, on the way back to the uh, to the station as well. Not a good day. Uh, right, let's have a quick break here on Charlton Life. We've still got plenty of emails to read about as well. We're still going to hear from Rob Harris from uh, the Proud Valiants uh, as well. But uh, we're going to have a quick break here. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Throw from Holmes into Solly. Solly cross put. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Oh, Foster's on the far side. Get something on it. Yes! yes! Finished off by Foster Caskey. And Charlton have the lead. 
talking about it's Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. Don't forget, uh, also coming up later on in the show, we've got our two players in focus, Sully Kai Kai and Mikhail Gyro. I uh, want to know what you made of both of their debuts uh, yesterday. The first one's just come in, but it's pretty much all swearing, so I'm not going to use that one. But uh, I would like it if you guys uh, find that tweet on our timeline. Let us know what you made of their debuts, what you hope that they will achieve uh, during their time at the club. But let's just have a quick break about talking specifically about yesterday's game. Also here at the Valley yesterday, it was uh, designated as football versus homophobia day. There's a football versus homophobia campaign, uh, which is running throughout the uh, the, the game in, in, in England. Um, and uh, Charlton uh, yesterday dedicated uh, the, the game to part of that campaign. Now, I, I spoke to Rob Harris, who is the chair of the uh, Charlton Athletic Proud Valiance, which is the LGBT uh, supporters group here at the Valley. Uh, Rob's a great guy. He organised the football versus homophobia tournament, which uh, me and Nathan and Tom played in last year. As uh, we, we, I think we were on the Proud Valiance team, actually, weren't we? Yes. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so he organised that and uh, gets involved with a lot of uh, stuff like this. And uh, so obviously, with yesterday's game designated as the football versus homophobia uh, game, uh, I caught up with Rob to ask him why events like this are important why um why 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 he feels like things like this are are the right thing to do i mean these kind of events are really really important um homophobia in football is actually still a big issue um you know fans up and down the country and their clubs should be actually doing events like this you know it's important that as a football supporter you can go to your stadium and feel safe that you don't feel threatened that, that, you know, someone shouting out some kind of remark that they think is inoffensive, uh, it's probably not to certain supporters. And, you know, they need to feel safe. They need to feel like their club supports them. And there is a duty of care of every club up and down the country to make sure all fans feel safe. I guess it is a case of, you know, you'll, you'll probably get fans out there who haven't walked a mile in your shoes to say, oh, I, I don't hear anything like that. But you, you probably, if you're not listening out for it and you're not expecting it, then you probably won't even notice it and, and how people's words can affect other people who are sitting next to them just enjoying the game as well. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is about education and what words are appropriate. I mean, Kick It Out and Racism was a big movement, uh, which thankfully managed to actually... I wouldn't say get rid of racism in football, but it's definitely a lot better than when I started to go as a kid. I mean, it is that kind of thing that, you know, if, you, if you're not tuned into homophobia and what homophobic language can, how it can affect you. I mean, I can remember as a kid when I was about 16, 17, going to a football match and the guy next to me made a remark of get up, you puff, when a player fell down. Now to him, that probably seemed inoffensive. To someone that at that age was struggling with their sexuality, that really became a big threat to me. And for the rest of the match, I wasn't able to concentrate because I was wondering what people were sitting around me, what their attitude they were to me. And, you know, today, although in some ways it's easier to come out as a LGBT teen, it's also a lot more complex. And, you know, I know people, you know, that don't go to football because they feel that it's such a male-orientated atmosphere there that they can't be themselves, that they can't relax, that they can't enjoy the match. I mean, clubs like Charlton are doing some amazing work. You know, we have this tournament, uh, sorry, this match day, we have a tournament uh, in the spring, uh, Charlton versus Homophobia, um, and we're having a conference here. You know, the importance of clubs like this or uh, uh, supporters group like this and clubs like Charlton the work they do 
you know, cannot be underestimated for it, what it does for everybody. You know, we have fans that have written to us that are just happy that there is such an organisation within Charlton where they can actually, you know, feel that they have a reason to be here, that it's not just, you know, they're a football supporter, but they're recognised as a member of the LGBT community. And you mentioned, obviously, you are the chair of the Proud Valiance. You mentioned the, the tournament that we had pre- the last summer, and, and I guess it's coming up again this summer. I mean, how important is it for you that, you know, fan, all sorts of fans come and, and join, join up with a group and, you know, give their support to the group? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be the third Charlton versus Homophobia tournament uh, this year. Uh, it's getting bigger and bigger. It was very interesting last year that we had some 10-year-old kids come. That I think they only came because it was football, it was free, and it was a really good event, you know. And so they came in, and they spoke to a lot of the members of the Pride Valiant. And, you know, these are the kind of people that probably don't necessarily associate much with LGBT people. But by the end of the day, they were sort of really actually taken a lot home and there was also families here that you know I spoke to in the lounge and didn't know what the, the event was really about but they, they were there with their young kids and everything and they're people that we probably wouldn't necessarily get to speak to um, you know they may you know they came along to the event um, and it just the more people that know more about the LGBT community the better and you know that you get a lot of negative press about the LGBT community. But, you know, this is a great way to actually sow some of the good that the, you know, the community does give and also the stuff that football can give back to us. And finally, of course, the club lent their name to the Bexley Invicta team that's now become the Charlton Invicta team, an LGBT-friendly team. I mean, how, how nice is it that there's a, you know, a team where any, anyone knows that they can come and play and enjoy their football? Yeah, I mean, you know, the... Uh... Football teams like that have been around for a very, very long time. Um, I used to play for one 15 years ago called the Left Footers. But it is great that Charlton, the Trust and Charlton and Victor are now all working together. It's great that there's, you know, an organisation where people can come, uh, a a footballing uh, group that people can come play football, not feel threatened. And that's also not, you know, the great thing about these kind of groups is for the LGBT community and allies so you know you don't have to be you know gay or lesbian or anything that to play in the group but you know they are really really it's another step to actually making people aware of you know that if they are a member of the gay community they're not alone if they want to play football there are groups they can go and play football with Silver steps in, wins it back for Charlton, comes away on a run and then feeds Fossu over halfway. Fossu on the left-hand side, they're heading towards the penalty area, looking to take on Pond. Gets in the box, is he going to fall over? No, he's got it, Douglas! There's number three! So welcome back, this is Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. It's great to hear there from Rob Harris, the chair of the Charlton Proud Valiance, the LGBT supporters uh, group here at the uh, the Valley. Uh, yesterday was uh, the club's football versus homophobia day dedicated. Uh, so uh, I hope I hope he enjoyed his day. And you know stuff like this, it, it just all steps in the right direction in terms of raising awareness. And you know, hearing you hear from Rob there, and it's, he's 
possibly saying things that you know. At the, you say sometimes you'll be in a football stadium, and you'll say something, and you think you're just having a go at playing. You don't you don't think what those words mean to people around you, and how they affect other Charlton fans who've come to watch the game with you. Uh, and that's why it's important to raise awareness of this sort of stuff. Oh, absolutely, no question about it. But I mean, I do find myself thinking that uh, you know, back in the day when I was coming and venting my spleen as a young uh, what, fourteen. 12, 18, whatever. Had football been invented uh, by then? Yeah, yeah. It, was the, it was the old, <laughs> yeah, black and white. Yeah. <laughs> but I just wonder, you know, you, you think back then and you think, you know, did I say, you start questioning whether whether, whether you did say any of that stuff. And, and that's and, why and it's, it's not impossible, yeah. by the way. Well, that's uh, why education is important. Yeah, it's, it's something you just wouldn't have even thought yeah. of. You just think you're shouting at a player uh, and you don't think about it. And that's why it could create a, a more uncomfortable place for LGBT people uh, supporters to watch a game of football uh, and that's why days like uh, what, what happened here at the Valley yes are important uh, the Proud Valiance uh, is, is a uh, you know really interesting group and you know it, 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 it's sort of like a, it's somewhere for LGBT people if they want to go to the game but they think oh am I going to get called this or am I going to hear this or that language go actually I'm going to meet like minded people uh, they'll raise awareness and then other people who might not be part of the group or be interested in joining the group will actually think well actually no I, I, I have used that language I don't want to use that language I don't want to upset the fellow Charlton supporters uh, and also the the Bexley the Charlton Invicta team now you went and watch, you train with them often now if you want to see him play today as well yep. it's similar I mean anyone can play they let you in yeah, uh, which exactly. Shows, yeah. Which shows that all the so abilities, all the to play. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, but it's just it's just a case, you know, it's, it's like a, you know, they, they know they can enjoy their football. Uh, and you went down to watch them today, and they they smashed someone six 0 Yeah, they're, they're, they're top of the league, so you know they will. Um, Why is it only the first team that are rubbish? Like the the, the women's, <laughs> the women's team, team are great, the Invictus team, of the FA Cup, yeah, the um, yeah. the upbeats are brilliant. The youth teams aren't bad. It's just the first team. Yeah, no, they're, they're doing really well. They've got a good bunch of lads down there, really good footballers down there, and. Um, yeah, no, they're playing really well. Everyone's really inclusive. All abilities down there, like you said, um, including himself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's good. And this, um, it's a great little cause down there. And they always get a few people down there at Sparrows Lane on a, yeah. on a match day. So yeah, all good. Right, well, let's uh, make ourselves miserable again and continue looking back at yesterday's <laughs> uh, yesterday's game. Paul Ellis, what did you do? Paul Ellis emails in. Uh, Hi, Louis and Co. I've put this on the post-match views thread. Uh, so a risk of repeating myself here it goes a few thoughts not just about yesterday's game but some equally applicable uh, to most recent matches Big Josh had a good game yesterday my man in the match he worked his watts off did some great work in advanced positions down the flanks and finally got a well deserved goal he also uh, showed a good touch in the box wrong foot in a defender before his drive was well saved by the keeper should he be played as our sole striker question mark if so he needs some decent service and support from midfield possibly uh, probably the best cross into the box yesterday came from Josh himself uh, when the team reviews the video of the match I hope he stands up and says hey midfield did you see that that's the sort of cross I want uh, why do our players have to take so many touches before shooting sometimes the chance disappears completely because they take too long a couple of times yesterday a first time strike was needed but not taken so we passed back and before you know it, it's with Konza Lennon, uh, Lennon and Amos in a, zim- in a similar vein vein the likes of Fozu, uh, Steffi and Marshall need to learn that you normally only have to beat a defender once in a move uh, you shouldn't have to beat him a second or third time if you're doing that then either your teammates are letting you down by not supporting the attack or you're keeping your head down and not looking up 
uh, what's around you. We don't need to be trying to score spectacular individual goals all the time across uh, into the into the box, followed by a tapping from three or four foot out. Counts is, uh, exactly the same as a Maisie forty yard run. Uh, our midfield is too slow individually. We've got speed. We've got some speedsters, but when we counter attack, we're far too slow as a team getting forward. So that by the time the cavalry has arrived, not only is the defence wagons being circled, uh, they've had time to build a wall as well. And the midfield doesn't seem to be helping the defence either. We may have looked a little iffy in the centre of defence lately, but haven't had too many or too much uh, protection in front of them. Others have already brought up Robbo's substitutions and games management uh, with a few minutes ago. Paddy or Jacko uh, should have helped to see the game out to hold on for the win. Uh, it's interesting actually on the last one because I mean a lot of people have said that and probably agree with it but funnily enough when Powell used to bring on Dorian DeVete and we kind of concede at the same time it's like oh well, we shouldn't have done that. Yeah, I, I, I said it before I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of bringing on a centre half to, uh, to shore up a game. I think midf- another midfielder or defensive midfield is much better because when you bring on a centre half you just naturally drop deep mm. uh, and there's too many people in the box and it causes chaos and, and you end up uh, more harm than good. They'll just shove another one of their centre halves so, up there as well. I, I just you? think so um, I, 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 I agree with um, uh, I, if you're going to put Bauer on for example then you take a, a, a striker off then you put Conzer in midfield. You don't mm-hmm. make five across the back. You still still keep the four um, or, or bring Jacko on. I, I, yeah, I, I think we've said before. I, I don't quite understand why it didn't happen. Yeah, for Albert Rossi said just uh, just four two one to us with a minute left. We should have bought in the centre half to see the game out. Sorry to say Sunday morning, uh, dif- defending. Uh, right, the next email is from Mark Newbury says uh, what a kick in the Watsits. Uh, evening chaps. Uh, first, uh, my commiserations for trying to having to try and get some positives from yesterday. We got a couple. <laughs> we needed comfort food today. Didn't yeah, we? yeah. So we should have invited him <laughs> in again. I've just been sat at home eating all day today. It's been brilliant. Uh, I'm interested in the manager's comments about the game. As personally, I think it's a 50-50 split on blame for that result. Carl has to look at himself for his team selection. A rebo all day over Jake Forster Kasky at the moment. And previous games where we've been winning, he brings on a defender, and then he's surprised that the attacking players he brings on don't defend. Uh, even if he, di- he didn't put Bauer on, just tell Josh to drop in at the back. Fair play to Oxford as they kept going but I'd say all their goals were preventable especially the second where the guy goes straight round Solly I think it's a little early to form opinions about the new guys but we have to drop Lennon and give Konza some more uh, mature help alongside him it's pity uh, as he's been looking forward all week to the game I think we all had as well our I predictions I'd, I'd, I'd if Bowers if by next Saturday I think if Bowers had a good uh, week's training mm. I'd be amazed if he's not in, yeah. in the back four mm. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, say it again. Lack of experience at, at the back, and I mean, pa- pa- Patrick you know, only I, brings a bit more than perhaps I, Lennon. But. You know, and I, I really because I, I like Erlin. I think he's he's, he's, he's potentially going to be a very good player. But I think yesterday he looked nervous. I think something that uh, Harry does do that um, I think will will come will will go once he gets uh, more experience is that with Konza alongside him, when you've got Bauer alongside Konza or Pierce alongside Konza, Ezri Konza does the the footballing bit does them amazing tackles and then brings the ball out of defence and all that sort of stuff Bauer and uh, and, and Piercy just get rid or proper defending if you like whereas with, with Harry he tends to try and emulate what Ezri can do mm. uh, and uh, that's when it falls over Mm. Uh, but I, I have to reiterate, you know, I don't think there were too many occasions where the goals. I don't, you know, I'm trying to think of the goals back. I can't remember them, any any of them being the centre half's fault. But Henry's maybe for not closing him down, but then he's still a midfield player in the box that should have uh, somebody coming back and tracking. Mm. Uh, right, next email comes in from uh, dot dot dot. This is someone from New Zealand. I can't actually see the name, which is a bit weird. But the uh, the email says new owners. 
Uh, yeah, maybe. Just checking. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, no, there we go. Sam does say it right. No. Right, it says, Hi, crew. My thoughts on the game uh, as a fan. Game control in any sport is key for success. But Charlton doing a uh, typical Charlton 2-1 up and then going 3-2 down is amazing with all these new players and positive, uh, t- positivity around the club of keeping players. It can hit you hard where it really hurts. I know it's a bad result, but my main fear is that a playoff position is needed. If not, Robinson will be sacked, in my per, uh, uh, opinion. He said he hopes he can get over to see the Reds soon. I mean, yeah, interesting. I mean, obviously, with the talking about if Robert, if we don't get in the playoffs, will Robertson be sacked? I mean, with any takeover coming in, that would certainly give that a chance. And as I said, sort of earlier on, now you know it's, it's in his hands. Now he's got his squad. He, he's, he knows what he's got for the rest of the season. It's up to him now to get us into the playoffs. So, yes, there was a blip. We're still in a very good position. We're certainly. I think we're only a couple of points outside the playoffs. Games in hand. We're still in a very good position. Uh, but at the same time, we're all so down after yesterday. I wonder if that is dragging everyone's um, you know mentality further down than we need to be because of the position we're in. Almost certainly true. Um, but it, it's still going to be an interesting um, watch. Whether we you know, we, hopefully we're getting new owners in sooner rather than later. Um, what their uh, what their take on the situation is going to be? Whether they give the existing management team because it's not just Carl, is it? It's it's, it's a team. Uh, where they give them time to try and get into the top six and, and get in the playoffs, or they uh, or they make an immediate change. Mm. Um, I think immediate change would be would it wouldn't it wouldn't result in us doing any better. I suspect not, but who knows? You know, mm. it, it's going to be a really it's, you know as much as um, uh, I think uh, Cole deserves a chance personally, but um, with new owners coming in, who knows? I think mm. we. Although I said on Thursday, I think that it's in our hands still. I mean, uh, we obviously we got. <clears throat> Bradford and Shrewsbury at home coming up, and then obviously Rotherham. Who is it? Rotherham, Blackburn, and Scunthorpe at home in May, in April. So I still think it's in our hands so to throw away, uh, which we did yesterday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great practice. But I, I, I think we will. Um, I think we'll be okay. But it's, 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 if we if we throw it away, we can only blame ourselves with those games at home. So mm. hopefully not. Hopefully not. Bob Knight says, guys, I can't agree with Robinson. Who is to blame? Uh, we have brought in talented young players. We are lacking experience both in the side and in management, and they don't know how to close out a game. Robinson raved during the week about how the players were amazing uh, him with his, with their tricks. To suddenly expect the same players to be tackling back and covering the fullbacks is just an excuse for his own naivety. I mean, Carl was talking about the Harlem Globetrotters at one point during oh, yeah. uh, during, during his uh, pre-match press conference. Uh, you know, and we have got a lot of skills and stuff going forward. He says that uh, we need Pierce to lead the back four and Jackson coming on near the end in this situation to organise the kids and stop the opposition's rhythm. Whenever we play an experienced team, they bully our back four and two holding midfielders invite them on. Uh, if we are an attacking side, then we need to keep pressurising, not sitting back. Robinson's lack of tactical awareness is the problem. Now, I mean, Carl talked about when Jairo came in, about how he was hoping, uh, how he was excited now, because this has given more options to change things tactically when he wants to. And you said yesterday you felt that it was more of a 4-4-2 when he came on. I mean... Whether that was deliberate or not, I don't yeah. know. I mean, but in terms of like, you know, so Carl sort of effectively admitting there that he, perhaps sometimes he has been quite rigid with his tactics. And now is the time for him to... Yeah, be able maybe to change games more because he's got different types of players well, on the bench. The, yeah, maybe that's the point. Maybe he's saying is that, that the formation he plays is is all he thinks we can play with the, the players we had. Mm. Um, I'm not entirely sure that's true, but, but anyway, at the same time, thought. at the same time last season we were trying to play it when we didn't have. The <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. You um, but I do, I do agree with the point. We do get uh, we do we, can't, we, you know, we have been beaten up at times and bullied, mm. uh, and I think that was the case yesterday. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, Marcus says, Hi, guys. I can't see us going up this season unless Pierce and Bauer are fit. Conan and Lennon, uh, Konza, sorry, and Lennon are good but inexperienced. What do you think our back four should be provided everyone is fit? So, I mean, well, that's, that's a good, good question. question. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, if, so if everyone's fit, my, my one would definitely be Pierce will be in there. I think Konza will, will go with him uh, over Bauer. I mean, obviously, Konza can play in the defensive midfield as well. I feel obviously, then left back, De Silva, the only other option really we've got is Page. Uh, and I've, I don't think I've ever seen him play for more than five minutes. And then uh, and then at right back, who are the options? You've got Dick Steele. You've got, obviously, Solly. I think Solly gets ahead of Dick Steele at the moment. So, for me, it would be Solly, Pierce, Konza and De Silva. That's my back four. For you? Same. Same? Exactly the same. Is that, oh, yeah. I was hoping that would be a big, big discussion. I think, no, no. Well, I, I think the only discussion would be that uh, depending on, you see, I think again it might depend on who we're playing. If if we're up against um, you know a, a side that uh, got two huge centre forwards, mm. then maybe is an option to play Bauer alongside yeah. Pierce. Um, if we've got, uh, um, I don't I agree with Dick Steele at right back. I think uh, I'd rather have Conza at right back rather than because you know Anthony is not a right back. He's a, he's he played, a, he's he's played there in the yeah, he has, and he's done very well. So, yeah. He's done very well indeed. But that's not his position. You know, mm. I, I, at some point or other, I'd like him to be playing where, where you know where he's supposed to be playing, which is mm. um, sort of centralish mid, right centre midfield. Yeah, I think that what you said about <clears throat> if we come up against two bullish centre forwards, you'd have Baron. Pierce and obviously if you just have, if you're playing against the one you'll have Piercey taken over and then that's when you'll have Conza with the space to go and do his runs or whatever but but I, if you looked at um, Abika yesterday he managed to whoever he was up against he managed yeah. to beat up well that's <laughs> what I mean and that's what I think we missed it's just that old school he, he, rock you know Jason Pierce would have would yeah. have would have said here I am <laughs> at some point in the first 10 minutes mm. to John Abika yeah. there, there's no way you would have been able to roll Jason Pierce uh, more than once yeah okay right let's have a final break here on Charlton Live don't forget after this uh, this break is your last chance to get your comments in on our two players in focus this week uh, Mikhail Jairo and Sully Kaika we'll be back here on Charlton Live in 30 seconds <laughs> does really well as well to do so now he's on to take on Buchanan keeping the ball lovely ball into Konza to the touchline Konza reverse ball back to Forster Kaske and there's the third and it's game over and three points for Charlton So welcome back. We're into the last five minutes or so of uh, this evening's Charlton Live. I've just got a good tweet from Mark Anderson, actually, saying the only good, the only good thing to come out of yesterday was Josh uh, breaking his Baron spell. But then he's attached a photo of himself that I think was taken by, yeah, it's taken by Paul Edwards, one of the South London press photographers, who just happened to catch Mark Anderson celebrating one of the goals, and he's really lucky. It's a great photo. Uh, so, so well done for that, Mark. Uh, Matthias says, uh, Josh McGuinness didn't seem to celebrate much considering he's a man who hadn't scored in ages. I think this showed he wanted to leave in January, but credit to him for continuing to play. I mean, are you reading that much into the body language? You see, I seem to be, I've got a couple of good photos. Utter, of him. utter relief, I suspect. Yeah. Uh, and probably the, the timing of the goal meant he was probably cream cracker as well, so yeah. he's not going to run anywhere. Yeah. Uh, excellent stuff. Right, so uh, like I said, our two players in focus yesterday... Uh, are two two of the three loan signings we made in in January? Obviously, we've got Mavadidi in early doors, so we talked about him a fair bit already. Now, obviously, yes, uh, the 
in the week uh, leading up to the Blackpool game, we signed Sully Kai Kai and Mikel Zairo. Zairo's joined us uh, on loan from Wolverhampton Wanderers. He's uh, really not played much football since he came to this country. Started off with uh, three goals in a couple of games for Wolves, but then suffered a really nasty injury. And it was at the start of last season. Start of this season, he played a couple of cup games. Well, it's a Wolves side that's flying uh, and is, uh, seems to be a bit surplus to requirements there at the moment. And Sully Kai Kai. Uh, with Palace in the Premier League he doesn't really get that many chances to play in the first team in the Premier League I think he's played one Premier League game for Palace this season uh, but other than that he's been on loan at the likes of Brentford and uh, Shrewsbury Town where he's got an absolute hat full of goals so you know, on paper these are two players that we're quite excited to see now yesterday um, they they both came on with about twenty twenty five minutes le- uh, to go, and, and neither you know none of them scored a hat trick. Put it that way, and they, neither <laughs> of them set the world alight yesterday. I mean, it, and it may be way too early to be judging them, but at the same time, we can now talk about what we hope they can bring to the team that's different to what we've already got. Yeah, they were they were rusty, like Cole said. I think that was very obvious. I think Kai Kai's first touch bounced off and went out for a throw, but I think he grew into the game. Zyro looked very rusty, but like I said, he had a bad injury. But the difficulty is now is that they need games to get fit. Um, but we've not got a lot of time. We've got coming to the crunch season, part of the season now, where we need to get them fitly as quickly as possible. So um, I don't know how how far off they are. Um, I think Robbo said Kai Kai's a bit more further ahead than Zyro is, but and he looked at yesterday. Didn't yeah, mm. I mean, yeah, we I think we were just discussing about Zyro. He looked a bit it looked like he was running in treacle. Yeah, yeah. He did a little bit. But, but that's always going to be the case, like we yeah. say, when, when they haven't played for so long. But I mean, in terms of a different option. Uh, I mean, Kai Kai, I don't know, without knowing too much, I imagine it'd be reasonably similar to what we've got in terms of attacking wingers. We've got a fair few of... He looked like he had something about him, yeah. I'm, apart from the first couple of touches, which were awful. Mm. Um, once he settled in a little bit to the game, he looked like he, um, he, he could offer something. He looked mm. uh, physically strong and, and looked quick. Mm. Yeah, but um, in terms of something different to what we have, he's, pro- he's probably more of the same, but again, sometimes we've got one player who's played 70 minutes and tired, then you want to bring a different one on who can bring on fresh legs and... Uh, but you know, an eye for goal apparently is what what we what we saw at Shrewsbury Town, so that's what we can hope for. Now, Mikel Zairo, um, again, we're told it's probably going to be something a bit different to what Josh McGuinness is, but he's a big striker, but apparently he's a bit more pacey, uh, and hopefully he'll be able to score a few more goals than what Josh has done over the last few months. Well, fingers crossed on that. Um, as uh, as Knife said, though, you know how quickly that can get up to speed is is going to be important. Mm. Um, so there'll be some intense training, I suspect, over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, because in terms of if you look at when when the window closed, tell with you know the the only real significant outgoing in terms of Ricky Holmes in permanent. So we've lost Cag, which I was slightly disappointed about personally. I am as well, yeah, actually. Because yeah. I thought, but I mean, do, do you think overall our squad's been improved, made worse, the same? No, I think it's improved. I mean, we have got to see how um, Kaikai and Jairo get on, but. Uh, um, more importantly for me was, uh, and I think I mentioned it a few times yesterday. More importantly, who we didn't didn't get rid of, you know, the fact that we didn't lose anybody uh, any more bodies, mm. uh, because I was fully expecting for a few to go out the door, um, but uh, that didn't happen. And we've added, uh, we've used the wages of uh, Ricky Holmes uh, on players coming in. When you consider actually, it's three players on Ricky Holmes's wages. He must have been paid quid. far too much. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, on. You know, on the face of it, our squad is stronger as a result. Right, the only comments we've really had uh, about those two players that we're trying to be in focus on uh, was from Dean Martin. He says they were poor and they cost us the game due to neither of them caring about defending. I've cleaned that up quite significantly uh, for broadcast. <laughs> right, um, we're coming up to the end of the show. Just a reminder, actually, uh, that on February the 26th, there is going to be a quiz night down at the Bexley Heath Marriott uh, in aid of Prostate Cancer UK. A, a lot of us are cycling over 
uh, to Amsterdam in the summer as part of Prostate Cancer UK's uh, London to Amsterdam. It's, it's football clubs from all over uh, the country, either going from Yorkshire or from London to Amsterdam and, and doing a cycle. So we're all raising money for that. Uh, this quiz night, like I say, is going to be on Monday the 26th down at the Bexley Heath Marriott. It's £10 per person. Obviously, all that money will go, every single penny of that will go to the um, uh, the, the, the charity because the, the hotel are providing the room for free. Uh, down there, there's going to be Carl Robinson. There's going to be Johnny Jackson, Lee Bowyer from the current set. There's going to be loads of former players. Scott Minto, uh, former player, and of course, Sky Sports host is going to be hosting the evening. You know, I'm sure Bob Boulder will be there. Cole Leeburn will be there. There'll be, there'll be other ones. Uh, to look out for as well so get yourselves booked up onto a table uh, even Mads is thinking of doing it Mads who I mentioned earlier of the Iceland rant although he, he mentioned to me yesterday and I'm not joking that if he does do it he's going to have to miss his ballroom dancing class on the Monday evening Ooh. now if you know Mads you're as shocked as I am that that's what's going on but, that, but if he's going to miss his ballroom dancing class and you guys have got no uh, excuse not to go you'll be playing against Charlton Live as well we've got a table there so make sure you get your tickets for that from the Charlton website all the money will go to a very good cause right we've run out of time here on this evening Charlton Live uh, we had to it's a group therapy session I'm glad we've got through it together um, Nathan thank you for coming in no I see you Thursday yeah we'll be back on Thursday Terry you won't be here on Thursday no I won't yeah, but you'll be up at Doncaster I'll be at Saturday. Doncaster something yeah, to I'll look forward to so uh, Charlton's next game is up at Doncaster and we'll preview that uh, here on Maritime Radio next Thursday but this has been Charlton Live I've been Louis Meadows thanks for all your tweets and emails and whatnot throughout the show hope you've enjoyed it and we'll be back here on Thursday evening <laughs> ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.